Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. So last week we talked about stewardship, right? It'll never be mine. It'll always be yours. Amen. That's the heart's cry of a good steward. It'll never be mine. It'll always be yours. And, and every good gift, every resource that we have, our time, our talent, our treasure, our finances, our emotions, our spiritual life, we're stewarding all of these things because they're all gifts from the Lord. How many of you know, man, would you say your wife is a gift from the Lord? You shouldn't have said, oh, boy. That was, it was good until you said, oh, boy. That's when you lost it, okay? That's when, like, <laughs> okay, that's better. That's better. Kim's all over it, okay. So, so we are stewards, amen? Men, we are stewards of our wives. Wives, you're stewards of your men, right? We have heaven's resources at our disposal. Would you agree? Now, I want to talk, we're going to be talking about some kingdom principles when it comes to stewardship, okay? Now, I'm really excited to preach a message on tithing, but that's not coming this week. I want to talk to you about a bigger principle than the tithe. The bigger principle is God wants the first. He, this is what he did all throughout, all throughout Scripture is he wanted the first of anything. Whether it was fruit from the ground, whether it was the first batch of wine, whether it was the first vat of oil, he wanted the first. He said, bring the first fruits into the storehouse, into the house of the Lord. Right? He even tells you where to put it, which is the house of the Lord. Okay, just in case anybody's like, I could put it anywhere I want. No, house of the Lord. Okay, so, so here's the thing. I want to go back to the very first offering that we see in Scripture because God is interested in first fruit offerings. He's interested in the firsts, and I'll show you a couple of patterns of this in Scripture. So if, you're, if you have your Bible, this will be quick. Don't worry. I'm not going to belabor this. Kevin, don't worry. You're going to have plenty of time to preach, bro. I saw him getting antsy. He's like, I got the headset on. I'm ready, and he's starting to preach. Oh, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God, Holy Spirit, come. I need self-control right now. I saw it, man. I'm telling you. All right. Gen Genesis. No, I get 10. Don't, don't start with the two-minute business. Okay. That's for the MIT. No, I'm just messing with you. Cain and Abel, Genesis chapter 4. All right. You ready? Adam knew Eve's wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. These are just stating facts, right? Cain was a tiller of the ground. Abel tended the sheep. Now, In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Well, that's good, isn't it, to bring an offering of the fruit of the ground, right? Like, because God wants the fruit, he wants the offering, right? Okay. It came to pass over the course of time, right? Cain brought an offering. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock. 
and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel in his offering, but he did not respect Cain in his offering. What's the difference? Over the course of time, in the process of time, Cain brought an offering. That's not how God set it up. You bring me the first. God says, bring me the first. This is not, you, God doesn't get the leftover. He doesn't get the secondary thing like the, the one. He doesn't get the sheep that keeps getting lost and stuck in weird holes that you got to keep figuring out. how. No, he doesn't get the bad one. He gets the first. See, Cain didn't bring the first. It says, in the process of time, it came to pass that he brought an offering. And what did God do? He rejected the offering. God wants the first. Now, how do I, how, okay, that's great. Remember, this is like, like when we study scriptures, the first time we see offerings, it should speak to us really loudly about how God wants offerings. Okay, so let me, let me give you another example. Exodus, um, when they're preparing to go into um, the Passover, right? They're preparing the Passover, and there's a rule that's given actually in Exodus 13 that, the, that you would kill the, the lamb that is without spot and without blemish, that you would kill that, and it would redeem. It would pay, that blood would pay for your whole house, your firstborn. It would pay for the firsts. Right, the firstborn of the males, but then it's really weird. It says it'll pay for the first of the donkey. Well, the donkey's unclean. So when you when you sacrifice the first to the Lord, it redeems those things that are unclean. And you know, I love about that passage. It's like, okay, you can you can redeem the donkey, or you can break its neck. Either ways, it's not yours. It's the Lord's. Are we doing okay? All right. Here, let me give you another example of this first. God wants the first. Um, they go into, they go, come out of Exodus and they head into, they get the law and we could go into Leviticus and all that stuff. But now we, we go, they're taking the promised land and in Joshua chapter uh, 6, they go into, uh, do this march around Jericho, Right? And Jericho's what? It's the first city. Notice that what did they do with all of the gold and all of the silver and every precious thing that came out of Jericho? It went to the house of the Lord. The whole loot all went to God. Why? It was the first city. And all of it was to be given to the house of the Lord. It was the first city. Numbers 3, uh, we see the, the um, God sets apart the Levites for himself in Numbers, right? He sets apart the Levites, and, and what, what has to happen is that all of, the, all of the firstborn of all of the nations have to sacrifice something to redeem the Levites, to make the Levites holy in order to be the firstborn Instead of the firstborn of every tribe had to serve God, the firstborn was the Lord's. That's what God said. The firstborn male, he's mine. 
But then we see that God actually sets apart an entire tribe, the Levites. But in order for the Levites to be made whole as if they were firstborn, all the firstborn of all the people of Israel had to sacrifice a lamb to set the Levites apart to be first. The, the redemption of the, the sacrifice of the first redeemed the entire tribe of Levi. God wants the first. So this is a kingdom principle that we see over and over. And, and I think in Colossians 1, we see a beautiful picture of how Jesus was the first. So in Colossians 1, come on. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That's the song I learned growing up. All right. Listen to this. Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, say firstborn, over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him, in the firstborn, all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. Jesus is the first, and God sacrificed the first to redeem the rest. God wants our first. Whether it's your time, your money, your energy, whatever it is that you have, if we're going to steward well, we need to give him our firsts. We need to give him our firsts. Amen? Amen. That was the nugget for the day for me, so... I, I, I just, I feel like while we're, we are going to be on stewardship for a little while, and we're going to look at some of these kingdom principles, these things that I think are just really critical to what God wants to do in the next season. Let me tell you why. The world's in a little bit of chaos, and if you want supernatural lifestyle in the midst of the world going crazy, give them your first. If you're afraid of what's going to happen with your finances in the next season, give them your first. And let him redeem the 90. Amen. All right, bless you. Kevin, how many excited to hear Kevin this morning? I got it on. I'll explain the shirt in a minute. Um, I usually have a song, right, when I preach? Well, I have one. The, I have to say, the one that he's going to put on isn't the first one I thought of. But the first one, I really like the beginning of it where it says, I have the power. It's a lady singing, and it's a beautiful voice. But then it goes into a rapper that lyrics really don't work with this. So it took me a little while to find this one, but this song, I think, kind of, this will get us going. This will wake you up. You should all be awake now. 
You can go ahead and just put that. Did you? Yeah, that'll work. Um, well, my wife didn't want me to dress like that today, so I had to use the picture. But. Um, I'm actually wearing the shirt because this is a shirt that Chris had in the picture, and I didn't want you to confuse me with Jesus, so I wore the shirt so you'd, you'd know who I was when I was up here. Just saying. Um, okay, now we can get a little serious. I may need this before I get done with this. Um, this started out as a sermonette. I was supposed to give like the first week in November. And then Chris and Mika got sick and it turned into a short sermon that I was going to give quick when he wasn't going to be here. And then it turned into a longer one when I was going to have do the message and then he was back and then it got... Anyway, it's been... It's evolved. Let's just put it that way. And it, it's, uh, it's called We Have the Power. And I think it's funny... No, I don't think it's funny. I think it's amazing how... We've been talking so much this morning about the power. Every song had power in it. Every praying up here, everybody's talking about power. And everything just seems to connect all the time, especially when he's, he's working in it. Um, so this is supposed to be on our calling. One of the things I was going to say about the fact that this is evolving and everything is, when you're talking about your calling, you have to be flexible in every way. Because it's never going to go the way you think it's going to go. Ever. Oh, by the way, is my mic down so it's not dancing in front of my nose? Okay. Last time she said the mic was a little high, it was dancing in front of my nose. It was distracting. So, Just trying to take care of everything so that everybody can hear this. Um, it was, we're supposed to pick a verse in MIT about a verse that you would go with your calling. And the one that I picked was Acts 1.8. And this is the Passion Translation. It says, But I promise this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power. And you will be my messengers to Jerusalem throughout Judea, that the, distance, the distant provinces, even to the remotest places on earth. Tell me that isn't a lie. put this into context, this is Jesus talking to the disciples after he's been crucified and has appeared to them several times over the 40 days after that, 40-day period, to prove that he is alive and has been resurrected, and this is right before he is lifted into the sky and disappears into the cloud. He is letting them know that the Holy Spirit is coming to them, although he is leaving, he's not leaving them alone. He's not just going to disappear. He's leaving somebody with us to be with us all the time. My feeling is that this is Jesus talking directly to us, his disciples, and telling us that we are to receive the Holy Spirit. That there is no ritual or activity that we have to do to get this and that we will testify of his power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. 
and that this is not our natural abilities, but is looking outside of ourselves, perform signs, miracles with the Holy Spirit. Now, the power of the Holy Spirit gives us something that reflects in the natural and the supernatural. He gives us power, love, courage, and self-discipline, just to name a few. Power can be many things backed up by the Holy Spirit. He's always behind it. It's not us. Such as boldness to preach and power to perform healings and miracles. That is his power that we have to carry out. He's not going to do it unless we pray for it and we place our hands on somebody. That's a part we have to do. And the power is different in everybody. What it is for you, I mean, so I've read all those different things that it can be. It can be a different thing for each person. Not everybody's going to be called to healing, although they can. Everybody's not going to be called to preach, not that they can't. But people are called to different things. Um, you can call down the power. I don't know how many of you, you can kind of see my face in there. Um, and I don't know how many of you know the, the, the cartoon He-Man from years ago, but what he did is he called the power from a higher authority. It's not the power that I want to call down, but we need to call down the power from the higher authority above us. So I'm going to break down a few parts in this uh, in this verse. One, you will seize the power. This is a way it can be translated. It can be translated that you will seize power. So that's an action on our part. We have to seize the power. So what we have to do is grab it what Jesus has given us. He left it for them, but the disciples didn't have to use it. They had to actually grab onto it to use it. It's a choice you have to make. So good. There's, there's always choices. So to give a quick testimony on this, I, uh, I first felt and saw the power of the Holy Spirit I was born again in 2003, baptized in the Spirit in 2004. And also about this time, I started to receive several prophetic words about being prophetic, about being a healer, and about being a fire starter. Where's Ben? That's just a, that's just a you know, MIT, inside MIT joke there, you know, a fire starter. Um, I was getting so many prophetic words. I know I've told you a lot of this. I was getting so many prophetic words when people would come visit that I started hiding. <laughs> I loved when people came, but I got to where I would sit back in the corner because every time someone came to speak, 
they would give me a prophetic word. I felt like, wow, you know, you gotta, some of these other people need words too. I can't be the only one getting these. But even when I would hide, they would call me out. <laughs> it was building up fast. I hadn't been, I hadn't been really with the Lord completely until then. So, and all this started coming so quick. Um, so we were, in, it was in a church that was Pentecostal and we that, uh, had a lady come in in a wheelchair. And so a group of us, it wasn't me, it was like there was three or four of us, went to pray for this young lady who was in a wheelchair, had metal plates in her ankles, she couldn't walk. Now, I can honestly say at this time, I really didn't understand what the Holy Ghost, as they say in there, was. The closest I ever got to him when I was younger was saying, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That was about as far close as I was to him. So when, we, when I was born again, started learning about it, and we started praying, this girl got up out of that wheelchair and she pushed the wheelchair out of the church. And that's not all. She went back to her doctors to check with them and tell them what had happened. And they couldn't find any trace of the metal plates that had been put in her ankles. They could not see anything. And actually what they were worried about, they wanted to do a blood test because they were worried that the plates dissolved and she might be getting sick. She tried to explain to them what had happened, but they were a little skeptical. <laughs> so when after that had happened, I'd seen that, I could feel that, I knew what that was like, so I, I started to, to pray more, to prophesy more, and the people at the church wanted to know how somebody that was so new could do so much and why he thought he could do it. So I quit doing it, and I stepped away from it. You can't let people step on your calling. You can't let what they're thinking get in the way of what you know you're supposed to do. I knew I was supposed to do it, but I just, I, I, I left because I didn't want to be a problem at the church. So when, and I hadn't really done a lot of it until I met Micah and started coming over here. And I really felt like it was an opening again to step into that. I started to receive prophetic words again from the speakers when I came here and from the leadership. I could see and feel the power again and I chose to submit myself here and to start grabbing the power of the Holy Spirit again. It's a choice. It's a choice. And don't let people take that choice away from you. Number two, 
be willing to die. Be willing to die for what you believe Jesus wants you to do. The word messengers can be translated in the Greek to martyrs. So when he's telling you to be a messenger, he's telling you to be a martyr for him. Sounds kind of harsh. Exactly. Being all in. My testimony on this is the two mission trips that I've been on since I've been over here. First one was to Puerto Cabezas, Nicaragua with, with John. And John guaranteed us that nobody would get hurt, that we would be fine, even though he hadn't gone the year before because of all the demonstrations and the killings and the... But to be honest, I really didn't think about it because I knew that I was supposed to go. It really didn't enter my mind. John wouldn't even have told me that I was going to be safe. I might ask him, but he didn't have to tell me. <laughs> um, and as it turned out, we went over there. I'm thinking, I'm going to go over and I'm going to bless these people's socks off. And they turned around and blessed me more than I could have ever blessed them. That's a whole other sermon, but... Um, the second one was the trip to Brazil that Mike and I went on. It was right about the time COVID was starting. And we actually got, into, got to go right before they started shutting things down, closing things, all that stuff, having to have vaccines and everything else. We got to go on that trip. We had people saying, hey, <laughs> can't you just pray for them on the internet? Can't you just, you know, send your prayers, do something? Why are you going? Because I wanted to go over and place my hands on people and pray for them and see them healed. And I wanted to do what God wanted us to do. It was another thing. I knew we were going to go on that trip. I knew he'd set it up. I knew he'd planned for it. That he wanted us to go on that trip. So once again, we even though there were people dying and there were things that were happening, Brazil was one of the biggest outbreaks there was at that time. I really didn't have a fear of it. Because I knew God wanted us to be there and wanted us to win. That's another one where we gained way more than what we took over there, I can tell you that. I mean, it was, we had things happen to both of us on, well, me on the one trip and her both, and both of us on the other trip that really changed us. But we did it because God sent us. Three. Take the power to the remotest parts of the earth. wherever he sends you. Or even if he doesn't send you, take it with you wherever you go. 
In Matthew 24, 14, which says, Yet through it all, this joyful assurance of the realm of heaven, heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world, providing every nation with a demonstration of the reality of God. And after this, the end of this age will arrive. So, I'll just bring up those two trips that we went on again. We didn't have the money to take those trips. They were completely provided for by donations. God already had those trips planned before we ever decided we were going. He already had the finances set up for it to go. So don't ever doubt what he can do. Where he can send you or what he can have you do because he's working in the behind all this and setting it up before you ever think about it. And he doesn't put something in your mind about something and not have something to do with it and have something already figured out about it. Now some of you are thinking, well, I'm not going to the end of the earth. Well, maybe you're the support system that's here that sends that person there. Not everybody's going to travel. But you can still see, be a part of the trip. You, your calling may be the part to be here to support the person that goes on the trip. Because their calling is to go on the trip. Your part may be the financing for the trip. That part, that's part of your calling. You're good with finances. You're good with money. You've saved some. You're wondering what to do with it, how to use it. And he has you put it into somebody else's life that makes the trip across the world. Callings are different for everybody. And I really think people sell short on what they think they can do. Well, it's not what you can do. It's what he can do. The power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that just, you know, it's humbling in so many ways to think that he completely provided for everything on those two trips. For us to go and for us to be able to do what we did. Let's see, number four. Use what I'm giving to you. Take this a little bit further. I want to look at verse, let's see, Luke 12, 48. It's just the second part of it, and it says, For everyone, let's see, where are we at here? For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has committed, of him they will ask more. If you ask me, the Holy Spirit is a totally gift that Jesus gave us. So he's given us that. So I would think we have a responsibility to use that. That's a pretty big gift, right? 
So he is given a lot. A lot is expected. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, there's not much more bigger gift than that. So getting the power and using the power is a responsibility that we have to step into. My testimony on this is me standing right here before you, doing what I'm doing. Which is where I believe I'm supposed to be. But like Moses said in Exodus, Exodus 4.10, Moses says, I'm slow to speech and slow of tongue. Now, I don't have a problem speaking, and my tongue probably moves faster than it should lots of times. <laughs> but I've always had a really hard time reading. Let alone reading in front of a crowd of people, or even a couple of people. I didn't even want to read in front of my wife when we got married five years ago because I was that self-conscious of it. Being up here is easy. Reading up here was terrifying. If you haven't noticed, we read in front of people around here almost all the time. We do it in MIT, we do it in small groups, we do it in first step, we do it, and I'm thinking, God help me. They can't pick me. If I lead the group, maybe I can have everybody else read. If I memorize every single message I'm going to give, I won't have to read. Well, I can tell you that in the last five years, I have read more books and got faster than I ever have and have more clarity out of them than I ever had in my life. And reading them only one time instead of two or three times to try and figure out what it was. If that isn't Holy Spirit power, I don't know what is. So you really have to, like I said, the Holy Spirit power is different for everybody. What it's calling you to do, into your calling, how it puts everything together, and what you're really supposed to do with it. And the other thing is, stepping into your calling isn't without challenges. Because usually, stepping into your calling, you're going, <laughs> I don't think so. And he's saying, oh yeah, yeah, come on with me. Come on. Come on. 
So to bring this all together here, we really need to grasp the power Jesus is giving us through the Holy Spirit. So those four points that I want to really make is use what is giving to you. Take this to the remotest parts of the earth. Be willing to die for what we believe in Jesus and seize the power that is being given to you. Reach up and say, I have the power. So what I want to do is I want to do an activation. You know I love activation. So if I can have everybody stand up. Now what I really want you to do is I want you to close your eyes. Reach one or both of your hands up. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit what it is that defines the power to you. If it's an object, whatever it is that, that he wants to give you that, that makes you think of his holy power. There's something that he's going to give you in your mind of what you vision as the Holy Spirit power. So I want you to just think about that for a little bit here. What symbolizes the power to you? I want you to take hold of that. Whatever he's giving you, I want you to take hold of it with one or both hands. Grab onto whatever that is. Now I want you to pull it down and stick it right into your chest. Everybody got that in there? Now on the count of three... We're going to yell, we have the power. One, two, three. We have the power! Now you have no excuse. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.